Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boys, John Lee. And Jack Coughlin. And welcome to another episode of Courtside Eclipse Nation podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. You may know him as Clint Parks on Twitter. He is an MBA college and high school trainer and also an assistant coach for Crespi High School. Clint Parks, thank you for joining us, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. It'll be a great year for the Clippers. Oh, yeah. We love that energy. And um, for some of you guys that don't know, Clint um, is trains a number of NBA players, uh, college players, uh, some D1, D2 guys, some guys overseas. And his main, maybe the main, main client from him is uh, Kawhi Leonard, the four for the Clippers, which is why I wanted to reach out and get Clint on the pod because I follow him on my personal account. I love his tweets uh, about the game everything uh, he says about it in terms of development and all that. So that's why we want to bring him on. And plus he can give Jack some, some pointers as he just uh, started his college career or next month or whatever. But Clint, first thing I wanted to ask you is um, what went into building your MBA clientele? Because right now, um, if I'm not mistaken, you train Kawhi, Tony Snell, Kyle Kuzma, Jaden and Jalen McDaniels. And then I believe Jamal Franklin, who had a couple of stints in the NBA, and I think he's playing overseas now. Yeah, no, I think, I think for me, um, the whole thing for me with trying to build it, like, um, and build it, my NBA side is I've been fortunate to work with all the guys you just named before they were NBA players. So, you know, like a lot of guys, um, I would say like, you know, are able just to, um, meet with guys and work with guys once they get to the NBA or they have a name already. But for me, it was the old fashioned way. I didn't have anybody in basketball that kind of like put me in a certain position. I just, you know, started off with Kawhi, started working with him when he was 14 years old. He played for an AAU program, Team Elite, that I co-founded at a Riverside. And um, so I've been able just to find diamonds in the rough and kind of help guys fulfill their potential and see them along the and help them grow along the way. And so that's kind of how basically I've built my clientele is just, I've been lucky enough, blessed to um, watch these guys grow from high school to college to the league. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a great way to do it too. You like pretty much no connections really whatsoever went into it. Like you knew these guys uh, coming out, I actually went to UC Riverside. So I, I used to go to a couple of games there, but I never went to King or anything, but um. I, I guess after you got those guys, it's like easy to just um, get out there and whoever you want to train, like build up your business or whatever. Like I say, hey, I train these guys um, and uh, your kid could train with me or something. Is that something that you do or is there like a. It's still hard. I mean, it, it's helped me. It's helped me with like younger kids, obviously. But as far as pros, it's still hard to this day because it's a cutthroat business and people will try to say, well, you don't train Kawhi as much or he doesn't still train Kawhi and, you know, or, you know, they'll try to, they'll try to use that on me and say that kind of stuff because it's like, everyone's trying to build their own thing. And so it's not like, Oh, up with the next person is trying to like tear him down. So I've always, I've always just said what makes what I do unique is like I said earlier is that, you know, I've, I've been able to see these guys through from high school to college to the league. It's not like, Oh, I just seen Kawhi. Um, make it to the NBA now he's finals MVP and I got a chance to work with him like no I could tell you about I could tell you about a time where I was in the gym with all of these guys going back to high school and I met Kyle Kuzma his redshirt year at Utah when he wasn't even 
eligible to play yet. So it's not one of those things where there's a lane for everybody. And I've kind of found my lane. And I like to think of myself as a true developer of talent. Yeah. Um, and also, um, I should have mentioned before, you have a Clint Park Skills Academy. Um, I remember I saw you tweet one day, you were like, home of the underdogs. Like, what does that like mantra mean to you? And what kind of players do you want to train? I mean, it's, it means everything, man. It's the kid who nobody believes in or people say can't do it or, you know, or not good enough, not tall enough, not athletic enough. And just having that chip on your shoulder and wanting to prove the people who believe in you right and the people who say you can't do it, just prove them wrong and be able to say, ah, you guys are wrong and I told you so. And I think that's just, for me, that's been a fun thing because um, there's so many people now that they will – try to change the narrative like they always believed in Kawhi. I send you guys a story. I posted it earlier. Like there was a, a a thing best in the West that came out in 2008, 2009 that had him ranked as like the 28th best prospect in the, in the Western portion of the United States. Like, just think about that. Like not the country, the tw- there's 27 players in the West coast that people that talk about basketball, write about basketball, considered that we're better than Kawhi in high school so to see him where he's at now is like that belief that you can take yourself to a higher level when you work hard and believing it and have people around you that believe in you and just to see it all come to fruition for him has kind of just been inspiring and motivating to this day just to keep pushing and um yeah great things can happen if you just keep your head down and work you got to be you got to have some talent obviously but you got to have that belief and then that 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 insane work ethic yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that, that's just crazy because I, I remember I've seen you uh, say that before. Like, uh, even going to SDSU, I think back then wasn't even that like big of a school, but uh, back then maybe considered well, not a little over mid major, and then like, like no Pac twelve or anything like that. But now you would see SDSU; they're like a powerhouse. Uh, I believe they were undefeated before the pandemic last. Yep. Yeah, in twenty twenty, they were undefeated. With Mal- Malachi Flynn. Mm-hmm. Malachi Flynn. Um. The big, the big four. I forgot his name, but he was big dude. But he was really good. Um, and then like, yes, yeah. And then uh, what do you call? Before then, uh, another one of your clients, Jamal Franklin, was really good from what what I remember when I was a kid. Um, so it's cool to see SDSU kind of like have that that little rise. Maybe that are not. Um, maybe they were a little good before because I'm not really big on college basketball. But it's cool. I kind of noticed them a lot more ever since Kawhi came out from SDSU and now you see all these guys, Malachi Flynn, Matt Mitchell, like these guys um, coming out of there. But apart from that, um, in, in regards to your clientele, I wanted to talk about the uh, the twins, the McDaniels brothers, um, just because I didn't know too much about them until last season. And they kind of, I thought to me, they kind of burst on the scene. Uh, I believe Jalen's with the Hornets and then Jaden's with, the Timberwolves and they're both big lanky wings uh, can play three, four uh, really versatile uh, defensively can shoot from the corners, uh, high energy guys. Um, what's something about those brothers that um, you notice and how special do you think they can be in the NBA? Hey, and do you ever get mixed up between them? I'm losing track about which McDaniels brothers on which team. So just in case you've ever gotten mixed up, maybe I could feel a little bit better. Cause I'm always actually, like, which one's which? Um, well, Jalen's older by three years. He's Got older. Jalen is Jaden is the younger one, and so man, I think they're still there. They're still they have so much 
I think Jaden has the higher ceiling. He's younger, obviously. I think he's more naturally gifted. Um, I would I tell people um, he's the most naturally gifted player that I've ever worked with, and in, in, in my 16 years of doing skill development, um, he's he can handle, he could he could dribble. He's obviously a high level defender. Um, his shooting is improving. He's super athletic. Um, he's really good laterally. You know, can guard. I think he can guard legitimately one through four, and he can guard some fives. They're slender, but they're not going to get bullied. Um, Jalen is more of like Jalen's like a really, really good three and D role player. Um, knows how to move without the ball. Knows how to play with other. They both know how to play with other talented players. He'll take. He'll step over and take a charge. He'll block shots. Um, he'll get the put back. Um, he's in the right place at the right time. And you know he still has to just continue to get stronger. He's I think he's, he's a little more wiry than than a younger brother, and so that's one of the things for him is not necessarily just putting on a bunch of weight, but just getting stronger to bang more because he plays more of a four, um, four three I would say where Jalen plays Jaden plays a three four some, but um, yeah they both have a ton of upside. Still getting better, still developing their bodies and and their games at the same time. The future is bright for both of them in Charlotte and Minnesota. Yeah, I was just thinking that um, they're they're multi-position, they're athletic, they play the right way. I was thinking kind of like offensively developed like Jeremy Grant almost a little bit maybe just because I think he's a bigger wing. Um, that's pretty versatile and all that. Um, and it's a good thing you pointed out that, hey, they could play with other stars because um, guys like that, athletic, mobile, um, can shoot. Like you look at those kind of guys to develop into like uh, – primary ball handlers um, and primary scores and like that. So just to, to see that in those guys be very team first glue guys, take charges, dirty work, offensive rebound is crazy. I think Minnesota was first in offensive rebounding last year. I think him and uh, Vanderbilt were a big uh, part of that, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think Jaden has, Jaden has a legitimate chance to develop into an all-star caliber player. I think Jalen has a little bit more of a steeper road, obviously, but for him to be 52nd pick in 2019 and to be going on year four in the NBA, you know, like a lot of guys that get drafted in that area, that range, they don't last this long. So that's a testament to his um, his mental fortitude and just continuing to get better and commitment to his craft. And uh, I think he's going to have a really good year for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, both those guys are both pretty, um, pretty promising. I w- I wouldn't mind them as Clippers one day, maybe, or <laughs> who knows, but um, maybe one day in the future. Sure. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to uh Dalton Holmes. Holmes. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correct, but I believe Holmes. Okay. Yeah, he went to I think Point Loma Nazarene, which is a D two. Um. Yeah. And he's one of your guys that you trained. Um. Uh, and I remember I watched him in the final four, cause they usually put on the D2 national championship uh, on that, yeah. around that weekend. And I remember um, he was playing and they mentioned on the broadcast, like this guy has like 20 NBA teams. I called him. And this is like a D2. Um, this is a D2 game that we're watching. I kind of want to know, um, do you think we're going to see maybe a little more like D2 NAIA um juco guys get into the league or do you think the league kind of just stigmatizes um those guys that didn't go d1 or were overseas i mean it's hard i mean obviously you see in jay scrub the clippers had the um the to draft a juco guy right. and that's like rare. 
the league has gone away from that, where at a time they were drafting guys that went D2, Flip Murray, and then going back, Dennis Rodman, NAI, I think, um, Scotty Pippen, I think it was NAI, uh, Central Arkansas. You know, so, I mean, it's hard. It's rough. I think it would be great for basketball as a whole to give more of these guys that play at D2s and smaller schools the opportunity because they have the talent. And then I think it's just good for the game of basketball because you don't have so many guys that are just stuck on going D1 or bust and they never they, – because they feel like, well, they want to be a pro or have a shot, but they're not going to get a real shot if they're not at that D1 school. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's rough, you know, like for these young guys. But the level of basketball at D2 is really good. I try to explain that to kids and parents all the time. Like, don't think you're just going to go D2. I've seen a lot of – believe me when I tell you this, I've seen a lot of players go division two after being D one and think they're going to just dominate and almost to the point where they're unplayable because their ego and just, they're not like, they're not that good. And to be acting the way they act in, in this, like they think like, Oh, it's just going to be a walk over a a cakewalk, but it's not, there's really talented players. And obviously Dalton was in the, NBA last year to start the season with the Pelicans, and then he finished the season. He was on two way, then he finished the season um, with the Birmingham Squadron, and now he's going to the Euro League this year in the ACB and his fourth year as a pro. And he'll still have a chance to come back over to the NBA with his size and ability to shoot the basketball. Teams are always um, looking for that, and so like that's a high level. Um, yeah, I've had guys that had a lot of success to division two level and it's a, it's a great brand of basketball yeah i i also believe jimmy butler started out at juco and then um Derek white uh was indeed started in d2 as well and then look he's like one he's this one of the Celtics best players in the finals now um yeah after that so you see all that i want to know did you ever have any uh touching back on um these d1 bounce backs um did you ever have any like heated or not he or just like disputes with like parents uh with where you have to tell them hey they got to swallow their pride uh if they go to this d2 like they're they're not going to be the guy they're gonna have to like buy into the to the program to what the coach wants them to do and stuff did you ever have any like little de- no, um, really, a lot of kids, the the reality is a lot of kids don't want to go to division two they rather they rather damn near not play basketball anymore than go division two. A lot of times, some of these kids, because they look at it as their failure. Yeah. That, I mean, it's also crazy because you could still do, you could still go pro. Like um, even if you go D2 and D2 is not even like bad. Like you look at some of the talent they have um, in those games. Like they, they have legit, some of them have like legit athletes. And then you got like legit, like coaches too, that can help you yeah. and develop. Remember, look at Hudgens. The kid that signed a two-way contract with the Rockets, he's he was Division Two Player of the Year back to back. He's probably arguably the best Division Two player ever. Like he could have left Northwest Missouri State, he stayed there. He signed a two-way contract with the Rockets. He's gonna have a chance to be an NBA player. What would you say is the biggest reason? Like you were saying, how a D1 guy goes to then play at D2 and he's like unplayable. What's the biggest reason for that? Is it mainly like an ego thing and like what you were saying about them thinking they're a failure? It's an ego thing, and, like, they go there, and then, like, they become, like, a, a detriment to the team because they're just, like, well, I came from a D1. I'm going to shoot all the shots, mm-hmm. and you guys don't know anything. I'm coming from D1. This is D2. And over time, that just wears. 
when you come in with that mentality, it's just a bad mentality instead of coming in like I'm gonna just play. I'm gonna I'm gonna earn my respect every day by how I how I work and how I go about my business. And a lot of players don't have that approach these days. They just think like, oh, I'm coming from this school. I just I I deserve this, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. You gotta earn that respect. Nobody these dudes have pride too. They don't care you came from the D1. Like show it between the lines. I want to know what um. What are your thoughts on guys that would rather just go D1 but not get, like, much playing time, maybe not even play at all in regards to, like, picking a lower lower division and getting actual playing time because they kind of want the clout of the D1? Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. I hate that mentality. I don't I don't operate like that. Like, why are we going to go somewhere where we're not going to play? Yeah. Like, you go D2 and just play. NAIA, just play. I'm not coming to the game just because you're at D1. And you're like not never touching the floor. Like what? Like you could have went D two and played and have a huge role, but you just want to go for D one for Instagram. Like come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shows who really like loves the game and wants to actually play, or who just cares. Like you said about the Instagram, the clout, and all that. No, for sure. Yeah. Um, we'll touch back on like uh some other things. Like I want to ask you, uh, what are some flaws you see in the young players you train? right now that are trying to get uh, like the high school ones that are trying to get to like D1, D2, D3, NAIA, Juco. What are some of the main flaws you see in the game today? It's constantly working on fundamentals and shooting. Like you got to be able to shoot the basketball, cut and dry. There's literally like, yeah, Draymond, but there's not really that many Draymonds in basketball. We know that. Right. Like you got to be able to shoot the basketball. And, and Draymond not being able to shoot the basketball, I firmly believe in. With the West, how it's shaping up to be with everybody healthy, like that's not going to be okay. Like, they're not going to just get away with him just not being able to shoot the basketball. Right. They can say what they want when the season starts, when the Clippers are healthy and everybody else is healthy. Like what the West looks like. Like, are you going to be able to have somebody out there that just can't make a shot? Yeah, that's. True. Would you say that they, uh, at least the younger kids, do you think they work too much on like? I feel like when I see uh, young kids train, like they were too much on like uh, busting a guy one-on-one uh, and that kind of thing in terms of not really, and then not mi- some like work on mid range um, and floaters, but do you think they work too much on the wrong thing at times? Sure. Because ultimately like you got to, your game has to fit within a system. Your game has to fit with other good players. You got to be able to create for yourself always, but you got to be able to, like, to just be able to say, screw the offense, I'm going to do whatever I want. Like, you got to be a generational player to do that. You got to play within a system. Your game has to fit within the system. And if you, if, if every, everyone's training, but everyone's not learning how to play basketball, the game isn't one-on-one. The game is five-on-five. You have to play within a team setting, and a lot of guys are missing that part of the game. Right. Yeah, no, that I think that's the biggest flaw. Um, and all of it. I think you even see in today's NBA, like it doesn't seem like they play together as much. I think that's why a lot of like older generations like watching college basketball, because college basketball, they're constantly within offense, constantly within sets, more connected on defense, at least. Um, but yeah, that is something that uh, I've noticed a little bit. And coming, I want to know your thoughts on the G League, Overtime Elite, and these non college routes. Do you think they're good? for um not for sure they're good because everyone needs everyone's path is different you know mm-hmm. it's not it's, none of this is one size fits all 
you know so it's about it's about every individual um finding out what's what's best for them and the best path i think as long as i think the, the g league i'm a huge fan of jason hart obviously brian shaw played in the league as well and i think overtime elite is um finding their way as well they have a lot of talent with the thompson twins Amin and osar they'll be in the draft next year and so you know i think there's a lot of great options for everybody I mean, because some kids want to go to college. Some kids don't want to go to college. Some kids are ready to be pros. So I think just having that option open for for everyone is great. You know, that's how it is for all the other sports, and that's how it should be for basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I if I'm not mistaken, I think Overtime Elite has a team in the TBT tournament. Um, they, they lost. They are, they are in it. Okay. Yeah. I, I just, okay. I have a tweet right now. Yeah. It says lottery projected lottery picks. Eamon and Oscar Thompson will be part of team overtime and the basketball tournament. I think that's also cool because that tournament has guys like overseas, former D one guys um, that are playing and they're playing hard. Like they're, they're like actually want to execute and do stuff. I think that's good for like kids to experience um, sure. before you go into it. I, I thought it was really cool. I watched the game. Overtime Elite played hard. Those those kids played well. They ended up losing. It was a, it was a close game though, but it was definitely an eye opening experience for them playing against grown men. And they, mm-hmm. they they did more than grown. Yeah, it, it's kind of almost like it's not like the same example. It's like you know how Lamelo uh, would always play up when he was like fourteen. He would play with the 17, 18 year olds with Jello and Lonzo. It's almost like that. And then once you get used to like how they're playing, like you kind of have a little edge over once you're playing around your um age group obviously when you go to the league <clears throat> it's like a different game but it's a little bit like that I, I would say but not completely um yeah and then let's see moving on i want to talk about tony snell a little bit um he was on that king team with Kawhi, and i forgot who i talked to i i used to i used to score keep for this one league and i had a bunch of refs that came from the inland empire they would tell me that uh I don't know if this is true, but he's one of the refs told me that on one of the King teams, Kawhi was like the third best player behind Tony Snell. And there was some other guy ahead of them. I forgot, but he told me how good that King team was, but I was pretty young. So I didn't know. Um, what, what was your experience with Tony Snell that back ref, then? Tony oh. Snell was very talented. That ref was definitely capped. <laughs> <laughs> Kawhi was never the third best. Kawhi went to King for two years. He was the best player on the team both okay. years. Tony Snell came his senior year. He was really good. He was talented. He was skilled. He had to play out of position. He played the five. And he was more of a wing guard. Um, he played for us as well in AAU. We played him at the point. And he was able just to do a little bit of everything. And, yeah, he was super talented, high basketball IQ, obviously great length, great size, athletic, could guard, move his feet, um, just a – and a great kid, a professional. He was a true professional before he was a professional. How he carried himself, how he approached the game, how he prepared. Kawhi was the same way. Those guys prepared like pros long before they were pros. Do you think it was like um, part of the culture there at King? I don't know how much culture um, high school has, um, but because it seems like Tony Snell and Kawhi are kind of similar. I saw a story that like Tony Snell still had like a flip phone or something a couple of years ago. Do you? Th- is it just like coincident that coincidence that those two type no, of guys were teammates? I think I don't think it was anything to do with the school or anything of the program. I just think it was who they were as people. 
they were just able to stay true to who they were and how they were raised. And I think just being focused on, they weren't big names. They didn't have all the hype. They wanted to play in the league. They wanted to, this was their goal and their dream. And they were willing to do whatever it took to get there. And so the work that it took to go in and getting there was just, it takes what it takes, you know? That's what I like to say. It takes what it takes. And they were willing to put the work in. Another thing on Tony saw, I feel like everything you listed about him, like, is completely true. And I think a, a lot of that is why he's still, like, in the league. Uh, he has, like, all these um, qualities that you want in a league guy. Like, he, he'll buy in. He's unselfish. He's no ego. Uh, three and D will play the right way. Like, and those are the guys that, like, go in um, that have, like, long careers and stuff. doesn't matter if they bounce around or anything. Like, you're going to need a guy, um, anyone in the rotation, either starting, coming off the bench or – maybe someone you'll need in the third string. I think he has like all those qualities to keep playing until he really doesn't want to anymore. For sure. He does. For sure. He does. So obviously free agency's at a standstill right now with the, the heavy hitters haven't right. moved yet. The team's not one to put themselves at a position to be able to possibly get one of those guys by um, taking on a player that could eat up cap space. So I think once, once, once all those dominoes fall, I think he'll be sitting fine. He'll find a he'll find a home for what will ultimately be his tenth year in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're also waiting uh, for those moves to see other things come into fruition. So I think the whole league's at a standstill right now with those guys. Um, moving on to the Clippers, which I'm sure most of the listeners want to hear your perspective about. I I just want to know: Do you notice how like your Clipper tweets get like insane engagement? Whenever you tweet about like Kawhi or like the Clippers, um, I I I notice that sometimes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like um, obviously just because Clippers Twitter is like when they're on something, they're like on something. So it, I feel I don't know how many people know that you actually like train Kawhi, or they're just saying, oh, this guy just like has a good point. But um, the one thing I want to ask you about. Kawhi, because you because you've been training. I think you trained him recently, um, not too long ago. What's something you noticed about his work ethic that's different from anyone else you've seen? Um, he's always been like addicted to the work and just getting better and disciplined and never having to tell him to work on his game. And he's just he's. I've always tell people, um, he still has all these years later. He approaches it and he works like he's trying to make the team. Yeah. No. I I think also something I heard from or we read from jerry west or lauren frank they said when he was coming off his surgery uh when he was doing his rehab they said he was like maniacal in his work ethic and that's like that's a pretty strong or it's a pretty unique word to use for someone that uh for coming off an injury and he uh there was like buzz that he wanted to come back uh last season i don't know uh the timeline would have been really tight but i think even just then just shows that because they you know they throw these like stupid narratives at him that like load management they they don't know that he's like taking care of his body they think it's just like uh he's tired or doesn't want to play but he like wants to play and is like busting his ass to get back so what do you think of when you hear uh that kind of like nonsense going around Uh, i don't i don't pay no attention to people who talk nonsense i know (laughs) i know commitment i know his work ethic i know what he stands for um last time he was hurt coming off the season people say all this stuff oh he doesn't like basketball he's quitting on the spurs blah 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 next right. thing you know championship mm-hmm. and then they they won a championship because they made um they managed his body correctly so that he could be uh 100 or as close as to 100 as you could be in the playoffs 
Uh, and then, uh, and then the some people are pointing out how he missed that whole year due to injury. And then the next year with the Raptors won a championship. He just missed a year with injury. So we're thinking maybe this is the year the Clippers get a championship. Oh, it definitely is. If he stays healthy and the Clippers stay healthy, the, the parade is coming. <laughs> yeah. I like that talk. I like that talk. Um, I saw you tweet that you think next year, I believe you said, you think next season will be his best. Why Why do you think that? Oh, yeah. I just think next season is going to be the best version we've seen of him just because he's completely healthy. He's been off. He's refreshed. Um, he's, in, he's in great shape physically. And just how sharp he looked. I mean, for me personally, I was just like, man, this is crazy. And, you know, at this stage, just to be able to rest and recover coming off of injury not have to force yourself back and come back just for the playoffs, you know, to have all this time. Anytime you can have, you know, you always see guys struggle and not be themselves when they're coming back from an injury and they're rushing back, you know? It's like mm-hmm. the Achilles injury. KD and these guys come back so strong. Brianna Stewart came back so strong. Kelsey Plum, they take a 12-month span to sit and to, to, to really recover instead of trying to stretch it and be ready in six months, eight months, nine months. Kawhi's had over a, what's he had over a year? A year. I think it's a year to this date or a year to this month. He had surgery. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. So you've had, he's, he's, he's a year, he's a year out of surgery, but like, that's a long time like to recover. A lot of guys can come back from sooner from ACL and he probably could, but then you're compromising something. So he'll be past when, when season starts, he'll be at what? 15 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time for ACL. Yeah. To be able to have time to recover and, 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 and do your training and therapy and all your physical therapy and all that and, and treatment and stuff to be able to come back. If anything, his knee's probably – it's probably brand – it's probably still on brand new. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because he's, he's like the one guy you think of, someone that's taking care of your body. Him and LeBron, to me, at least in my mind, are the two guys that I would feel like in the league – that are like number one in taking care of their bodies, at least in how serious they take it, like the attention to detail. Um, you so obviously you've been in the gym with him, and then he's had all this time to recover and stuff. And then he even did workouts before the season ended last season. And then Jerry West said um, months ago, he said you couldn't even tell he had an operation when he was like walking and stuff. How did he look when you saw him uh, when he trained? I was, if, if you're able to divulge that. Couldn't, I couldn't tell that he's coming. If I didn't know, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't know that he's coming off the injury. If they never told me. Okay, that's good. I mean, that's that's good news for Clipper fans. There's some fans that, Some fans were worried, um, because what do you call it? Uh, Ohm Young Masuka of ESPN reported, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, that appar- apparently they said he wasn't cleared yet for five on five. But I don't think you're really running five on five unless you're doing like runs. Or anything, there's no training camp. So, so but some Clipper fans were like kind of worried, but I don't think they should be just because he put in so much preparation. He was even thinking about coming back last season, I he, believe. I mean, he, I don't know what the timetable and all that was. I didn't, I don't, mm-hmm. my previous season, right? Don't care to, I just know when season starts, he will be more than ready to go. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um, do you it, feel like as well, like with him being out for so long? It almost may, like when this happens to players that love the game, like do they almost start to miss it so much and they get rejuvenated when they can finally play in a game again after going like almost a, over a year without playing in an actual game? For sure. I just think I just think he's driven by winning. 
by bringing a championship to the Clippers. Love that. You know, Love the, that. Championship to the Clippers puts them in a whole different realm. Yeah. If if you think about it, like he's had a crazy uh, career path. I I like you said. I think you said something like he you came in like they want him to be like three and D because he was a, a lockdown defender. And like the next step was in, oh, can you knock down your jump shot? But he already had this like mid range in his game, so you you knew he could be like a one on one star. He wins his first title defending LeBron, who was the best player in the league at that time, and he was showing elite defense. And they dismantled the Heat. Second year, he's like, he, I don't even. He didn't even seem like a hundred percent. I would see in like clips, it seemed like he would like limp just walking in the tunnel when he was with the Raptors, and they they wanted Chip. Then he had one of the craziest runs ever and then that was a franchise that they're like oh um like lebron owns them and stuff he got gave this team their first title and then if he were to do it with the clippers three titles three finals mvps three different teams two franchises that weren't um that aren't really considered powerhouses that would put him in elite um uh, in an elite category um in terms sure. of like nba legends actually the clippers Come on, yeah. man! You win a championship, Clippers. You're different. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Like the, a team hasn't even reached the finals. Too. I there's a lot of people um, on Clippers Twitter that believe if he never got hurt against Utah, that they would have won the chip. Do you agree with that? Yes, bro. We were playing high level basketball. I, I agree with that. Yeah, they hundred percent. Because think about it, they went six with just uh, what do you call with him not playing at all against Phoenix. I think they definitely would have taken one of the games. Uh, and Chris and Paul, Chris Paul yeah. yeah, he was out the first two games, too. Yeah. Even they, just, like, you saw how Clipper fans reacted to just making a conference final. So if they, they can win a championship with the Clippers, I mean, you're immortalized forever. You're just legendary status forever. No, we got we got to book that. I, I would want to know, um, Clint, who would you want them to see if they were to go to the finals next season? Who would you want them to see um, in the East? It don't matter. The Bucks, <laughs> any of I've already watched, I've already seen Kawhi dismantle um, Giannis four straight games. Right. I'm not I'll, I'm not worried. That, yeah, that was when him he was on a bad knee too. I think, and he still he yeah. still had to match up with him. Yeah. I'm, Do you think uh, that Buck series was crazier with Kawhi or the Sixers series? I think the Sixers series was. They were both crazy, man. That, that Sixers series was crazy. That was a heavyweight yeah. title. Those yeah. teams were just trade blows round after round on the road at home it was crazy and then the way it ended too is legendary um buzzer beater ot all that a part of me was upset it went in because i thought if they got eliminated he would like be for sure going to the clippers and i thought same with me same with me (laughs) i thought if they won the chip he would want to stay there but um or he would be open to staying there so i was like i was not excited at the time but had I known he, he was coming anyway, I would have been way more excited <laughs> in the moment. I probably should have been. But, um, yeah, no, he, he's already a legend for that. No way he was going to leave after winning a championship. He just won a championship. Yeah. It, it made no sense. To, and it's like, um, what do you – what he, like Siakam was going to get better, like Ananobi was going to come back and Ananobi's a good player. Like, he, they had everything there too, so – they probably would they, they would have had a legit shot to repeat. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's why I respect it so much more. He chose to come to the Clippers too, because he had a great situation and he wants to make history somewhere else and and do it at home with his family and his friends. So I was 
I respect him for doing and that. And he could have gone to the Lakers, too, with LeBron and AD, and he still wanted to come to the Clippers. No, he, That's, yeah, he took the was, challenge uh, of it all, too. That was a crazy offseason. Did, did you have any idea what he was going to do that offseason, Clint? I had no idea at all. Yeah, it, I feel like no one no one had anything unless you're in the room with him. Like, that was the only, yeah. that was the only time you would probably have a hint. Him and Uncle Dennis knew. Yeah, they, they're probably the only ones that really knew. Um, one last question about Kawhi I have for you, Clint, what do you think is the next evolution of his game? Because I feel like we've seen a little bit of everything. We've seen the elite defense, the shot making the three. Um, and I believe he had much improved playmaking recently. What do you think is the next evolution of what he can do? Well, that's tough, man. I just feel like he has to just continue just to get better at everything, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep, just keep sharpening everything man every day Mm -hmm. yeah it's hard to improve when you're good at everything yeah that's what i would say (laughs) just keep getting keep getting better at everything because he's so talented already um yeah yeah, keep getting better keep getting better and better yeah well hopefully he is better uh next year hopefully uh because they have big expectations from pretty much everyone um i want to end this episode on two quick questions for you, um, first one is, what's your next goal in your career um, in basketball? Would it be to be like an NBA assistant coach? Because uh, I went to a game recently. I saw Rico Hines on the Sacramento Kings bench, and I was surprised. I didn't. I had no idea like he was a coach there, and now he's with Toronto. Is that something that you see for yourself so, in the future? I'm just, I'm just taking it day by day. My ultimate goal is to be um, an assistant coach one day at the University of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. That's where I'm from. Um, that's where I went to high school, and so I'm just getting better, learning, enjoying my time at the high school level at Crespi. I'm getting ready for a huge season. Obviously, we play against. We're in the toughest league in the country, playing in Sierra Canyon, Harvard Westlake, um, Sherman Oaks, Notre Dame. So it's going to be a great year. We got a lot of young grip, a lot of young talent. Um, so anybody on the pod listening, um, come check us out. We play. Sierra Canyon, January 13th at home. At okay. I, I legit will probably be at that game. Yeah. Just let that me know. I'll fun. take care of you. Hey, I got yeah. you. Support, I'll hold you to that. Support the boy Clint. Oh, he did this yeah. For, yeah. He did this for us. We might as well support him. Um, and then my last question to you is was there ever a specific player that you that you've always wanted to train? Um, not really. I always tell people, um, all my favorite players in the NBA, I had a chance to work with when while they were coming up, and so that's always been my thing, and I um, I'm proud of that. And I don't really like I just I don't have it like I'm obviously a Clippers fan because of Kawhi, but I just I love seeing my guys thrive, and I love being able to work with my guys, and those are my favorite players. That's a great answer. Also, good good on you uh, for admitting you're a Clippers fan, um, just because they'll they'll love hearing that from you. But Clint. Thank you again for joining us. I know it was, uh, it was actually not that bad uh, getting you on here, but thank, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, we were really excited to get you on. When I told the boys that uh, I had a chance to get you on, like it was, we were ecstatic. And we've had like Luke Kennard on here too. So thank, thank you again, man. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you so much. Seriously, we really appreciate it. Um, good luck this year, Jack. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. You too. Yes, sir. And then – um. Clint, oh, before you go, uh, where can these people find you on Twitter? Um, what is my Twitter name? Clint Parks 5. 
I think at um at yeah Clint Parks Five. I think that's my Twitter handle. Or I want to okay. say. Okay, yeah. cool. So easy to find. So go Clippers, and looking forward to seeing them talking hoops with you guys all throughout the season. Yes, sir. Thank you again, Clint. I'll, I'll tweet you out too once we get up. Yep. Once we get out of here, and yeah, so Clint, Clint Parks zero five. Just just double check. Okay. All right. The, produ- the right. producer in my ear told me. No, I'm good. Kidding. I looked it up. That's television, baby. Um, <laughs> thank you again, guys, for listening. Remember to rate, subscribe, um, give us feedback. Um, you can catch me at courtside underscore clips. Jack, where they can they catch you up? At Jack Clippers on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you again, guys, for listening. And as always, go clips. <laughs>